0: Hi, this is Andrew Goodall and Charlie Goodchild, and you're listening to the Health Space Podcast. This is the podcast where we dive deep into health-related questions and topical issues relevant to us all. The world of health and medicine is messy, full of contrasting opinions and misleading advice. We will challenge myths and common misconceptions by exploring the evidence and speaking to leading experts along the way. We are physiotherapists and have been friends since university, and share the same belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to access high-quality, up-to-date health information. When it comes to health, we believe that better never ends. Thanks for listening, and let's dive straight in. Okay, today's episode is going to be an interesting one for me. It's the first time I've ever interviewed my wife. (laughs) I suppose... I suppose the first date is a little bit like an interview Um, although our first date was so long ago I'm not entirely sure I can remember any of the questions I would have asked you but it seems like you must have passed with flying (laughs) colours. Today's episode is quite a personal one actually. We decided to do this off the back of the Serena episode about mental health in lockdown because it, it rang true with some feelings and some of the experiences that we'd gone through as families both mine and uh, and Charlie's and we felt it'd be a really interesting discussion to sort of dive into that with my wife Vicky who is a new mum uh, during lockdown so we're hoping this will be an interesting conversation that will also dive into some topics good and bad um about uh, her experience through lockdown and also we'll we'll go on to charlie's as well because charlie's had a a new child in lockdown as well so this should be an interesting one um and we've been sort of planning and plotting this for a little while
1: yeah i think the the personal side of it really ran true from serena's podcast serena simmons podcast so it was, it was really good of Vicky to volunteer, to come on and be interviewed by us two. I mean, this is a strange environment for the three of us. We know each other very well, but um, I know there's some good that will really come out of this. What I first wanted to do really was congratulate you, Vicky, on putting up with him for quite so many years. So, yeah. <laughs> Someone's that,
2: got to do it, haven't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, but, you, you, you know, you, you've done it with, with a smile on your face. So, yeah, well done for putting up with him for all these years.
2: Thank you. I've said many times that I um took one for womanhood, I think, taking him off the market. Yeah. Think, I think his mum agrees as well. Yeah. I think
0: his mum agrees.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> is, this,
0: is this gonna be some kind of like handicap um Tekken you two versus me battle royale? Or, or
2: I mean you know he would win, so <laughs> you know the what the outcome would be.
0: Yeah, you give a good fight. I suddenly right, feel you. A
2: bit... I suddenly feel really nervous. My heart's beating really fast. <laughs> um, just
0: just before we come on air, um, what did you say about podcasts?
2: Oh, I said, I think that's why I feel nervous and my mouth's gone really dry. It's because I'm absolutely buzzing because to do a podcast was on my bucket list. And um, I'm not going to lie, I thought it would have been on, you know, maybe Fern Cotton's Happy Place or something like that but obviously it's with you two monkeys but that'll do you've leveled,
1: you've leveled up with us then <laughs> so, so let's get this started then Vicky if that's all right with you so you're, yes. you're a new mum tell us about that tell us about what you're expecting first of all and then actually what the reality turned out to be
2: I'm not really sure what I expected I remember because it was sort of this time last year that she was due any day I remember thinking quite a lot when I was pregnant, you know, I've got no idea what to expect. I've got no idea if I'm gonna be any good at this. And I just couldn't remotely imagine, I'd seen obviously lots of friends have babies and become mums, but I couldn't remotely imagine what I would be like in that situation. And the only thing that sort of was positive for me was that I had a really good role model as a mum. My mum did pretty well. And I thought, well, if she's done, Pretty well then maybe I've got a chance Um, and I thought that it was that simple and I think that's what probably I struggled with the most in a way because I thought that it would genuinely come more naturally to me than I felt it did and I would probably put that a lot down to the fact that it was in lockdown because she was born sort of literally a couple of weeks into I keep saying she Amelia was born in you know a couple of weeks into the first lockdown And everything was just so up in the air. And it was all very unknown still with COVID. PPE hadn't even really come into place. We weren't wearing masks outside. The mask, you know, wasn't a thing. So it was all just very unknown and everyone was scared and people, you know, really were staying away and following the rules. Yeah, to suddenly be thrust into the situation of not only being a first time mum, but in the height of a global pandemic, it couldn't have been more of an unusual or unique situation. And there was nobody to ask, you know, how do you cope in a situation like this? Because nobody had done it before. So, yeah, that was hard.
1: What was the hospital like? Because I know that you both had a pretty traumatic experience and it was pretty tough with that. So tell us about the hospital side of, of her birth.
2: So, so the hospital side, I feel like it was really obvious that there there was something big going on in the in the world when Andy dropped me off and when Andy picked me up after she was born. But during the time that I was in hospital, I think I was I, I was only on my own for a couple of hours in the end before Andy could come up. And
0: yeah, two hours, yeah,
2: yeah. That hard, although to me I could have been twenty minutes or two days. I was just in a daze, but yeah. Apparently it was two hours, and during the time when He was with me. And up until the time when Amelia was born, I wouldn't have known that anything was going on, to be honest. I think you're you're nodding. You agree, don't you? Yeah, because at that point,
0: the nurses and the doctors, I mean, the doctors were wearing masks when Amelia was delivered because she was in theatre. But actually, up to that point, when they were visiting us just in like um, the birthing unit.
2: I think the midwives were wearing PPE at that point. But to be honest, I'd only previously been in a hospital myself to be born myself I'd been lucky enough to go through life not having to go into hospital so that could have been normal to me and they made me feel so relaxed and they you know it was like there was no deadly virus out there and I remember feeling lots of support and lots of help and they were everyone was just really lovely even when it was really chaotic towards the end and I had to go to theatre at the last minute and there were doctors flying in and out and it was all a bit crazy yeah everyone was just still so lovely and I didn't didn't feel like anything was going on I think it really hit us when after Amelia was born and I was wheeled from sort of the recovery ward you were with us for about four hours weren't you and then I was taken to like a regular ward and they said oh We went out into the corridor, didn't we? And then they said, You can't come any further to Andy. And I was lying there in this hospital bed holding this tiny baby, couldn't fully feel from the waist down because I had to have a spinal block at the last minute. And then we just sort of looked at each other like, Oh, okay. And we just sort of had to say goodbye. He had to say goodbye to his daughter that had just arrived. And he had to go home. And I think that was when it really hit us. Although again, to be fair, I remember feeling very content. I don't know if it's just because I'd just given birth, but I remember just thinking, right, it's me and you, kiddo. I, I need to be your mummy now. And I remember feeling quite content about the whole thing. And I would say that part was probably harder for Andy because he was the one that had to leave and come home and not know when he was going to see again.
0: The difficult bits from my perspective, or the really obvious bits of something was weird, was um, when we arrived, there was obviously a station to go in. You had to gel your hands. You had to kind of basically say why you were there. But when I first dropped Vicky off, I basically took her to a side entrance, not through the main entrance, to a side entrance, which was essentially like a, a triage, I suppose. Like, why are you here? Have you got COVID? If so, don't come in this door you haven't got covid we'll talk to you um went in dropped you her. couldn't come in no no basically dropped you off at this door and yeah. spoke to a security guard like yeah a security guard not a nurse or anyone and it's like oh she's clearly pregnant and about to give birth let's let's see you through and then you were sort of screened and taken to the the unit or wherever you was taken and i was kind of like okay what happens here it was like right see you later mate you can come in once she's a certain amount uh dilated so that was the first bit that felt quite weird. Then I had to sit in the car park for two hours. Luckily, COVID meant I didn't have to pay for that parking. Yeah, been. that's a bonus. <laughs> you, both, you both know how annoyed I've been having to sit there and pay for two hours of parking. for that reason. Because <laughs> you get free parking once she's delivering a baby. So <laughs> for two hours to have to pay whatever it would have been, four quid, I'd have been fairly annoyed about that. That's, a, that's at least one flat white, so... <laughs> And then, yeah, once we were on the unit and whatnot, until the baby was born, that bit was all fine. Um, And I remember them not wearing masks because I remember what all three of the midwives looked like. So they were definitely not wearing masks at that point until, like I say, we went on to until she was taken to theatre and baby was delivered
1: that makes it do you know what not wearing masks seems weird now you know you, especially it, in you, a hospital yeah do, do you get it as well when you're watching tv and it's something from you know, like t- 20 years ago and you're like why are they not wearing mask? And, and then you catch yourself you're like oh yeah it's because they filmed this 20 years ago you know it seems, it only seems falls strange. <laughs> yeah it seems strange that, that people not wearing a mask it's just it's scary how normalized it's become i'm looking forward to yeah. getting over that to be honest
0: there's one other thing I do want to mention, which was interesting, or, or actually it's just a funny little story. So I remember waiting for Vicky outside, so I wasn't allowed in the next day to actually go get her. I'd stand outside and wait for her to sort of be delivered outside of the hospital by
2: the porter. Brought by the down. porter
0: sorry. And there was the two security guards on the door sort of letting people in or not letting people in basically. And I overheard one of the security guards say, I've just had to go through the COVID hot unit. He's like, oh, mate, every time I go through there, I put the alcohol gel on my hands. I wipe it all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> and then walk through. Like, Why
2: would you put it on your well, face? Well,
0: obviously, that, no, what I mean, the reason that's funny is it just shows how little we knew about what was going on. Yeah, security guards literally alcohol gelling their faces.
2: It's funny you mentioned that bit because I would probably say that was the first point when I actually felt quite like disappointed with the whole baby in a pandemic thing because yeah, you had to stand outside with the car seat and, you know, it's always quite special when, you know, the, your other half gets to come in with the car seat and put the baby in and then they carry them out and you get the famous photo of them. And we just had to literally put her into a car seat, not knowing what on earth we were doing. And then literally on the car park concrete floor, Mm. Um, because the port obviously just left me, so yeah, we we didn't have a clue. And I remember sitting in the back, sort of holding her in the seat because I wasn't even sure we'd put her in properly. She was definitely
0: not in. It properly. was yeah. Three was... days later, we adjusted it quite significantly.
2: And I remember feeling really quite sad at that point because I thought, oh, this is really naff, you know, having to do this. But I feel like at every stage we've just got through it, haven't we? And well,
0: the main positive there it. was that although it was. Rubbish for me to have to go home and sort of, you know, your daughter just been born. You don't want to leave. The positive was when Vicky was knackered when we left the hospital. I had had some sleep.
2: Uh, thirteen hours.
0: Yeah, I literally powered through. I had a burger. I, I had a burger and a beer and passed out for thirteen hours. It was incredible. But what that allowed <laughs> me to do was when she got back and she was knackered, it was like, okay, well, you go sleep and just rest, and I will deal with the rest of it. And and that, I think. Yeah, what's that- a positive compared to if we'd have both come home together after having that whole night and being up i think i mean you you know this obviously joe yeah you're just exhausted it's just so emotionally draining
2: mm.
1: i remember coming home matilda our daughter was born in november and i think they'd kind of got their 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 shit together by then really they'd, they'd actually figured stuff out a bit more they were a bit more it was a bit more nuanced about the rules are and- they
0: still <laughs> <gelling> faces? <laughs>
1: I didn't notice anyone, but it was pretty chaotic. So who knows? Maybe they were. But it it was, it was. I was allowed to stay for quite a while after Matilda was born, and it was only when she went into the the new mum unit. I can't remember what it's called, but something like that. And that was the point where I was then sort of palmed off and off you go, you go home. But it was about four in the morning by then. So I got home and instantly went to sleep. Woke up at nine or something, and then it was kind of time to go back and. And see them so it I think because it wasn't really because it was so late it didn't feel too big a deal and and I think I was allowed back in fairly quickly and she came home that day so by then by November we'd figured it out a bit more
2: yeah because by that point you could have sorry you could have visiting hours as well couldn't you
1: yeah and I I think that's why they let us in earlier actually I think because they'd figured out that that was that was safe and that was okay so t- what about from that point onwards then so Andy you had a bit of time off work and you were working from home tell us a bit about that and how that felt with you two and, and Amelia.
2: Yeah so you had you had nine days off didn't you and then you were working from home for about nine weeks.
0: So I'd already come I was working from home for about three weeks before Amelia was born because of oh yeah because we had everything. to sort of shut down on share the, 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 the 20, laptop the 20th or something so we I'd worked home for worked from home for three weeks, and then obviously Amelia was born. She was born on the Monday, so I had that week, the rest of that week, and the following week off.
2: It was the and Tuesday, then, but fine. A
0: Tuesday, fine. <laughs> yeah, there, and then I was off, as in at home, for another nine weeks. So that yeah. was <clears throat> that was a positive.
2: Yeah, that was really nice because it, we couldn't have visitors. You know, at that point, the bubbles weren't a thing, particularly bubbles with a baby under one I think at that point it might have been only a bubble if you lived alone I don't even know if that was in place at that point but we had a few friends visit on the driveway but our families aren't local so we didn't they didn't meet her for a few months and so yeah it was quite nice having you around to help out
0: first time that's ever been said
2: (laughs) yeah literally the two weeks you were off um but yeah you were getting up in the night and that was really helpful and then you'd come down in between seeing patients and it was almost you know some days you weren't as busy and you were able to come out for a walk with us and the weather was really nice so that it was little things like that that did really help and I think also the first two weeks You're just literally in a bubble. You don't know your ass from your elbow, and you're just muddling through, googling at things every five minutes. So it didn't, it didn't feel that bad for me personally at that point. I just felt for other people. I felt for our parents, and I felt for family and friends that wanted to come and hold her and help me. And yeah, that was it. Was I think it was harder for other people basically, whereas we were in the newborn bubble, just muddling through the three of us. And it was actually quite nice at first, just having, just being able to be in that bubble um, and get on with it.
1: At what point did it start to become tough?
0: I think it became hard when it became hard for others. So when my mum, like when it became a problem for my mum that she still hadn't met Amelia after four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, it, it sort of, the pressures not pressures, that's the wrong word, but the external kind of feelings also added yeah. more to it, I think, if that makes sense. So f- for us, if, if you took all of that out of it and that wasn't a thing, I think for us the first nine, ten weeks were, were pretty good.
2: I would say I struggled probably a bit before that. Um, I remember thinking sort of a good few weeks in maybe a month in... And it wasn't like I was struggling. I think I struggled more later on. But at that point, I was struggling because I just wanted somebody else to hold her. (laughs) Because even though Andy was working, I just felt like I was constantly holding her. And, you know, I just wanted to just free my arms for a minute, which sounds really silly now, because she was only newborn for literally five seconds looking back. And you probably don't appreciate it at the time. But, yeah, I remember... I think that was when sort of loneliness set in and I just started to think actually this is really shit and I just want somebody else to talk to and be there and hold her and also hug me (laughs) because as much as I love my husband and he's a massive support you know sometimes you just want a hug from your mum and you you know they also want to hug you because they know what it's like when you've just become a mum you know you feel like you've been hit by a bus physically, emotionally, mentally, and it's it's just really tough anyway. So being in that position and it being in a pandemic as well, it was, yeah.
0: I remember uh, you saying uh, a comment that stuck with me actually. It was, it's not normal to have such a big life event and not see your parents relatively quickly. You know, like when you graduate, you see your parents when you buy finish a house. school, when you buy a house, they yeah. might be the first people around. If you if you still have your parents, I realize that 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 might not be the case for everyone, but well your the, loved ones. In the yeah your loved ones. Yeah. In the most part, when a big life event happens, you see friends and family relatively quickly and you can give them a hug or shake a hand or yeah. you can celebrate or you can do something like that. And, and I think that was that became very tangible at the kind of well for me it was like the Four, five, six week mark, that bit where it was like, okay, we've had our little kind of bubble and now I'm back to work. We're ready it's like, to see people. <laughs> like, okay, well, where is everyone? Yeah. Sort of thing. And, and you were sort of, you couldn't get out of that really.
2: Yeah. And I think also it was hard because our families weren't local. You know, my mum was on standby to come up and stay with us for a bit, but she lives on the Isle of Wight.
0: How did you, Charlie, how did you, I know things were different, but how was it for you guys? around that time so once matilda was born you've got her home you were on furlough still at that point.
1: i was back to work full-time so yeah i was back, back to, to work, work full-time, full-time okay. by then i had two weeks off i remember that first week so actually it, it, the timing of it was really convenient because it was christmas i had some annual leave i had two weeks off after matilda was born and i was back to work for eight days and then i was off for two weeks again over christmas so uh, that early experience for us was pretty good i would say it felt like we were able to use covid to our advantage in some ways because we didn't have loads of stuff going on you know as you as you remember you you are in this bubble in the newborn zone and you're kind of muddling through and, and, and sometimes having a load of people around and visiting. Actually ends up getting pretty tough. I remember for the first the first time for Theodore, it was it was just full on, and there were times when it's great having people there, but there's also times when you're wishing, do you know what, we could just do with going to bed now. So not having that w- wasn't the worst thing in the world for us. It was it was, and, and Matilda was pretty chilled as a baby as well. So I remember that first month or so being quite relaxed. Which we're, we're very fortunate to be able to have enjoyed that experience. And Theodore is, you know, he's nearly four now. So he was like another helper and still is. He's besotted by her. So, um, so far, so good for us. I mean, she's not sleeping all that well at the moment, but, you know, she's still only four months. So she'll get there. But, but it's she'll learn yeah 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 she's, she's fine. she'll
2: learn how amazing sleep is well i know day. it's
1: it is incredible that that babies do resist it so much isn't it when they get to teenage years and they want to sleep 10 10 hours a day so
2: yeah um, exactly
1: looking forward to that sometime soon but we're not quite there yet not quite there yet
0: um, i
2: have to say actually come following on from that i do feel like if we were lucky enough to ever have more children I would be inclined to sort of cut ourselves off from visitors for the first couple of weeks maybe not parents obviously I don't think obviously they would let us but yeah I just think because I did it was quite nice not having to host people and you know look remotely presentable and have people traipsing in and out so yeah I can imagine that was probably even though it didn't feel like it at the time it probably was a little bit of a bonus
0: you had to work it out as well which is the one thing I think has helped is that you couldn't listen to mum or dad or friends say oh no do it this way yeah you just because it was that wasn't available so it all in a positive way it forced you to learn quickly or at least I don't know that I don't I'm not sure what's going on maybe i'll speak to you for instance or i'll look this up or i'll you know google it or i'll read a book for instance or whatnot so i do think it leveled you up a bit quicker if you know what i mean in in certain aspects because you there was no other option really absolutely Yeah. yeah one
1: one of the thoughts that was coming through my mind when we were talking about this podcast was the concept of it's okay to not be okay and and this came a little bit through um, Serena Simmons podcast as well where she said do you know what give yourself a break you know stop giving yourself a hard time if you're struggling give yourself a break it's okay at what point do you think Vicky things started to become hard for you and you started to recognize that you weren't okay anymore
2: I remember having a really nice few weeks with her in the summer I say a few weeks it's probably about six weeks because we were able to go to baby classes at this point, and we were doing a lot more. I remember coming and sitting in your garden with Claire, your wife, and having just the best day because I was finally getting out and doing things with Amelia. And then we went into the second lockdown, which was towards the end of after the summer. And Amelia was about six months old by this point. And I remember going in very positive, about it and thinking, right? She's more active now. I need to think of more activities to do with her, keep her entertained. And I tried and tried for quite a while. You know, I was, I put a lot of sort of mum stuff on Instagram and the things that me and Amelia get up to. And I tried sort of to do it for a while, and then I, I think, just bit by bit, without re- really even realizing it at first, my resilience was starting to like. Be affected. Yeah, I felt like this was just going on a bit much now, and I didn't feel as stable mentally. And I found myself starting to, you know, look up symptoms of postnatal depression and thinking, you know, am I just having a down day, or is something actually going on here? Because there's a history of depression in my family. So I always thought, well, you know, it's textbook, I'm definitely, you know, prime candidate to get something. And so that was quite tough. And there was a few occasions when I'd think to myself, right, I'm going to call the GP tomorrow because I feel like I just need something to help me feel happier and better about life. And um, but then the next day would come and I'd get up, I'd be more productive. I'd go out with Amelia and I felt fine. And I'd totally forgotten that I was even going to call the doctor. So I'd sort of think to myself, right, okay, maybe I'm not, you know, mentally unwell just yet or at the moment. Maybe I am just having down days like everybody was at this point. You know, everyone's mental health has been affected in one way or another over the last year. And I think even the toughest of people have been tested. And I would always say that I was quite mentally fairly strong. I mean, emotionally, I'll cry at the top, at the drop of a hat. Everybody knows that I am a crier, but I get it out of my system and then I feel fine. But this felt more, this felt deeper. And um, yeah, that that was hard going because again, I always saw myself as fairly strong mentally but I I think it was just a case of I'd never been tested before you know things go on in life things happen to friends and family but nothing had actually affected me personally this was the first time that I was being tested mentally so I I guess it was inevitable that I was going to feel like shit to a certain extent
1: I think the other part to consider is there's almost a perfect storm of situation regarding putting pressure on your mental health so if you think about the protective factors that Serena Simmons talks about which is social contact spending time mm. outdoors you know those things were really hard to do in the winter and they're really hard to do exactly in
2: yeah really hard and that was when I listened to that podcast with Serena obviously I listened to it from a personal perspective and I remember her saying that you know the three things that we need are good diet, sleep, and exercise. And, you know, for anyone that's a new parent, in particular a new mum, well, you can't sleep. Sleep's just non existent at that point. You can't really exercise because you're just muddling through the day. You know, you're not going to have a back, pop a baby out and then think, oh, I'm going to go for a run or even a walk at that point. You know, people that have had cesareans, you're so restricted physically. And I had stitches and you know didn't feel right for quite a while so that's out the window and then of course decent diet diet is not at the forefront of your mind when you're a new mum so well, those is, three it's, things it's
1: biscuits isn't it it's, it's just, like well, get, just no, what you exactly. just crave biscuits cakes exactly. muffins
2: exactly you just yeah. eat <laughs> <laughs> you just eat something to get by you know you make yourself some toast you grab a couple of biscuits I mean I've was lucky enough to breastfeed for a few months so I felt like I was eating quite a lot but it wasn't as good as you know what I ate before I was before I had her so those three things that Serena was talking about I remember listening to the podcast and thinking yeah that's all very it's it's all easily said than done and when you're a new mum yeah yeah, when you're a new mum those are the three things that naturally suffer
0: then you add social contact restriction yeah and then in part removing the ability to go outdoors or or, or do something novel, which is we also know helps. Mm. I do think I, I from my perspective, there was definitely a time I remember coming home thinking something has changed. Um
2: I don't remember how old she was at that point. I remember there was quite a lot yeah, of no, dark I moments. I,
0: I, but... I can't I can't remember when. I just remember feeling that i i knew something had changed and i think from my perspective as well i just got fed up like i didn't want to go for another bloody walk yeah or you know and and i think removing the ability for anything new or novel and and only having this oh we can go for a walk or a bike ride or you can you know just do these basic things Mm -hmm. yeah they were good at the start and then and then they weren't so good um and that I think that second lockdown was challenging and and uh, I'm sure we'll get on to the third one but the third one I just felt was like you know really tough for, for everyone so yeah that that I, I just felt there was a little point where it changed for you um, yeah and that and that went on for a little while and I, I think I agree you had ups and downs um,
2: I'm not sure what turned it around though I don't know whether I just did start taking the pressure off myself. And I know that I've definitely lowered expectations. You know, at the the beginning, you sort of feel under pressure to be an amazing mom, an amazing person, an amazing friend, an amazing wife, an amazing daughter and sister. And you, you know, you want to have all these tentacles to sort of support all these and spin all these plates. But as soon as you think, actually, I'm going to take a step back from certain situations or certain um, I don't know things that are going on with friends and family as soon as I step back and thought actually I'm going to think about me for the next couple of days that really helped um, and I'd say that would be that's really important for anyone not just you know new parents but sometimes you just have to be selfish and think I'm just going to think about myself for a minute because you know I'm the most important person to me. If I don't look after myself, nobody else is going to do it. And I need to look after myself to be able to look after my daughter. And she's dependent on me. So that's, you know, that was my priority, I think.
1: That's a really good point that we probably miss a lot, is that you can't look after others if you're not looking after yourself. Absolutely. So really, if you are struggling, you sometimes it's best to take the selfish decision and think what's best for me right now.
0: What, yeah <laughs> when
1: we when we think about that third lockdown i mean remember when that happened as well it was christmas wasn't it and yeah. everyone's expecting christmas we were all i remember people talking about it oh you know by the time christmas comes around we'll we'll all be back meeting again and then christmas comes around and we're not allowed and you think
2: yeah
0: oh,
1: you know the happiest time of year for many people my wife in particular claire absolutely <laughs> loves christmas mrs
0: christmas
1: herself yeah.
2: does she like christmas <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I know she likes Christmas.
2: Yeah, I know so she it's... likes Christmas because I was wearing a Christmas jumper in June for her Hindu. Yeah. So yes, she yeah. likes Christmas.
0: Yeah, I, I did feel like there was the only way I can describe this was it's like someone just pulled the plug on yeah. on on all of that little you'd let yourself. Although we were all quite realistic and we we felt that Christmas wasn't going to happen. You, at one point, I I kind of let myself think that it might.
2: Yeah, that was a real kick to the gut for and me. then
0: and then it was like someone just literally pulled the plug yeah and I just remember seeing pretty much everyone I had encounters with just drop a level and that you know the positivity just dropped even just another point
2: everyone became very flat and it was yeah, flat is the best it was it, it, it was particularly hard for us because you know it would have been Amelia's first Christmas and we were having a Christmas for the first time with both sides of the family and on my side of the family we have we had I don't know how to describe it an impending bereavement so that was also very tough to deal with and it was potentially the last time that we would you know see him so that it was ju- that was just all yeah really really difficult and it was so last minute as well and we had got our hopes up everyone was just so disappointed weren't they with life at that point yeah it was
0: tricky bloody boris how did how was that for you charlie
1: well it was around the time when we had a one month old so it was about as good a christmas for it to happen as any just for the benefit of not having to stress about other things because you're literally sleeping you know 30 minutes at a time (laughs) during the night so it obviously it was pretty tough but probably not for those reasons it was tough because we had a newborn and that dominated that dominated it for us and and like actually I just thinking back to what you both said is we found it harder for other people than we did for ourselves my mum and dad not being able to see Claire's mum not being able to see so there were parts of that there were there were the struggle was for other people you know my sisters were desperate yes. to meet her and and they're standing at the doorway with christmas presents you know tears in their eyes because they can't give her a hug it's all tough you know it's tough for a lot of people and sometimes a a newborn in the family is the time when everyone's spirits are lifted and actually what it ended up being a bit of was they're lifted and then they're brought back down again because they can't can't cuddle her can't give her a hug and then mm. you've got theodore my son who's then saying you know why can't auntie come in the house and because they're all standing in the doorway and it and you then start to figure out that the children are getting affected by this too, you know, even as young as, as he is, he starts figuring out that this isn't normal. This is all a bit strange that people aren't allowed in the house. Why are they, why are they standing there on the door, on the doorstep when it's minus two? Um, yeah. So, so that's when you start to figure out that. And, and I'm, I'm not sure we're seeing the worst of it yet. It, we, uh, that's why we thought it was good to talk about it because We're starting to explore what it really means for us personally and individually. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are having a much tougher time than we are. And, and that's going to get worse before it gets better at the moment. It feels a bit like we're going to ride this wave of, of lockdown restrictions easing. And then there's going to be a tougher time further down the line, perhaps winter, who knows, but you know, what, what, what do you, what do you make of that? You know, that to, to me, that seems like we've got this thing that's, coming up that everyone's going to get excited about the summer and the lockdowns restrictions easing and then we're going to also everyone's going to get a bit low again i'm sure everyone's going to go nuts this summer and do all sorts of things and and have fun and go out but i'm not sure that's going to be positive forever
2: i feel like a massive pessimist about it all is that the right word Optimistic is when you're positive, isn't it? We can edit this bit out. Optimist. Optimistic.
0: was we, we promised pro- to not edit that bit out. No, no, please edit that
2: out. <laughs> pessimist. That's being negative, isn't it? Pessimist yes. is the right word. Yeah, so I would normally I'd normally be quite a positive person, but I actually feel like a massive pessimist. Pessimistic? Pessimist yeah. about the whole thing. And to be honest. I think as soon as we went into the third lockdown, I was like, right, this is it. This is us for life now. And I know everyone's, you know, going on about June 21st, but I am genuinely just thinking, do you know what? I will believe it when I see it because to me, this is life now. I can't imagine it being any different, um, which is really sad. But yeah, I just can't imagine it being normal.
0: The thing I struggle, the thing I keep thinking is, I just can't imagine traveling somewhere else now. And if you'd have said, that, yeah, and yeah. if you'd have said that to me a bit more than a year ago, but let's say a year ago, like we, as we all do, as everyone does, everybody loves a bit of travel and getting on a plane and going somewhere new and whatnot. Whereas if you said that to me now, I'd be like, uh, now I feel like I just can't see when that's going to be normal. In uh, in, in com- invert commas, again, I just I can't I just my brain can't go there, and, and that shows just a little layer that COVID has just put there, where you just, you, I'm just not allowing my brain to go to that point, or maybe it's just taking that confidence away. I don't know. Or
2: normal life has been put in a box and thrown to the back of my brain. I yeah. think, yeah, yes. <laughs> and I'm obviously we've got lots of things to look forward to, you know, weddings, hen do's, and I really, really, really hope that obviously they go ahead, but I just can't get excited about anything
0: that's that coping
2: (laughs) how miserable
0: i think that's everybody's coping strategy right if you if you allow yourself to go like we did at christmas then yeah then you know there's a load to follow it so you try to implement a coping strategy by just saying well if it happens that's amazing but let's Mm. not get
2: ahead of ourselves sort of thing and also it's made me really nervous to ever get pregnant again but it's genuinely affected i always thought You know, I'd love I'd love more than one child if we were lucky enough. I'd quite like them to be close in age, like um, my sister and I are. But now I just don't want to go through it again, and I don't want to be, you know, be pregnant and have a baby in lockdown. And I genuinely feel like I'm going to be in lockdown forever. So I'm just not in that place at all because I just can't see.
0: That's a great point to bring up. Being normal. i know you've mentioned that lots of times to me obviously it's you know and i think i agree like do you want to do you want to do this again and that and obviously it's not dictated by us but it's you you sort of again you put another coping mechanism and you say well the bit that i can control is this so i'll control that
2: and i can't help but feel jealous of people that are giving birth now because i just think you're inevitably going to have a very different maternity leave to me your child is going to have a very different first year and to be honest let's be fair babies are going to be fine it's the mums and I know that a baby born in April 2020 compared to a baby born in April 2021 it's probably going to not be much different but it's the mums that are going to have different experiences and I think even from a medical point of view the treatment for new mums health visitors for example has been appalling i've never met a health visitor i don't know what they look like i've never met one <laughs> yeah, and you they, know even they, they, compared no but even compared to you guys who had matilda in november you know you've already had different treatment yeah, so we, and yeah, i we just had can't a, help but feel neglected
1: we had a health visitor she came round. we had the midwife came round a couple of times there was still a a, a significant number of appointments done in fact actually it was the earlier appointments Claire's earlier midwife appointments I didn't go to any of the scans that was weird that was really strange a lot of Claire's appointments were either cancelled or done via telephone and rushed so that that I'd forgotten about that point actually the the build-up for us was way worse than the actual birth and I mean Claire was horrendously sick again so that that never helps. but the the lack of contacts with healthcare staff was really strange. And I'm I'm pleased that by the time she was born, we then did have a bit of contact. Yeah. But I, I, would, I still, I, I, for a first time mum, that would have been so much harder. At least we knew we'd been through the process before. So we knew what we were going through. We knew what to expect, what to look out for. And, you know, I'm reasonably medically savvy. So there were certain things that we knew what to, what, what to do with but but there was definitely a part where with Claire being sick I, I know that she found it really tough at times and really difficult the lack of someone to just say yeah do you know what this is this is you're healthy don't worry you're being sick but this is okay here's some support she didn't really have that
2: yeah and I think that's I think that's the crux of it for me personally you know becoming a new mum when I did I don't feel I've thought this a few times but I don't feel like we could have timed it any worse you know coming in April 2020 right at the beginning and in the height of it it couldn't have come at a worse time because you know she's one next week and are we still in lockdown I don't even know I don't watch the news anymore but
0: yeah, we're in a period of easing restrictions it's like her
2: whole life and I
0: which is basically lockdown
2: currently. yeah and why would I why would i want to put another child through that and again like the kids are fine the children would be fine but why would i want to put myself through that again it's just so yeah
0: there's some interesting stats though isn't there about those that um were born around the time of the spanish flu and i think if you uh, I, I can't remember where i read this but they uh, if you look across their lifespan they lived for less time oh great and And generally were worse off medically. And I mean, this is a different era, I realize. Why why would you say this? No, it's important. And (laughs) and also didn't tend to kind of um have as I think I'm not sure what the terminology was, but their careers weren't quite as fulfilling in terms of um like didn't earn as much basically. And and that's just and that was a much shorter pandemic, I believe.
2: Well, it is a concern, it's naturally a concern. Things like their social skills and general development is a concern, and when a health visitor called me on the phone for sort of a five minute conversation and said, is she doing this? Is she doing that? And I said, yes. It was a case of, here's a pack. Here, I'm going to email you a pack, which wasn't actually emailed initially. I had to chase for it. Here's a pack for you to follow, to give you ideas and, of what to do with her and the sort of things that she should be doing. And I mean, we've been really lucky with Amelia because she's but that was when she was been like really advanced months. But also, yeah, by that point, yeah, she was doing most things on the sheets. We, Yeah, like I say, we were really lucky because she's been pretty advanced for her age. But, you know, for mums out there or dads out there that have gotten a new baby and they read something on a sheet that says your baby should be waving and, you know, little Johnny isn't waving yet, that could really send them into sort of a bit of anxiety or distress. And the medical sort of support is just not there for them to think right well the next time I've got an appointment I'm going to discuss it I'm going to call up and make an appointment to see someone so they can or they can see little Johnny and check that he's okay because no face-to-face appointments were being allowed you just can't help but feel like yourself and your child have been neglected and that I still feel quite bitter about I have to say
1: it's understandable sorry no it's, it's understandable and it's it, a really complex situation that's being handed over to a new parent to try and deal with you, you know the parent is yeah. being asked to carry out the job of a medical professional whose career that is they're saying here's a here's a pamphlet here's a leaflet look through that and tell us if there's any problems and that's
2: yeah it's bullshit it's yeah, just bullshit
1: doesn't make any sense but unfortunately, we've got we've, we've got to accept that COVID has been the overarching problem of of our generation, and decisions have to be made that upset a lot of people. And you just got to hope that it's for the greater good. It just but it, but what's important we talk about is that you know we are the missed middle that you know Serena spoke about that we we are in that category really where we're not bad enough to have needed medical intervention perhaps and we're certainly not thriving, but things are going to get harder before they get better, and things have been tough for a lot of people. Hopefully lives have been saved because of the decisions that are made and the restrictions in place, but a lot of people are going to be unhappy for a long time as a result of that, and it's important that we do talk about talk about those issues, and I really hope that us talking about this today has maybe prompted other people to think that, they can talk about it too. And it's okay to to not be okay to chat about these difficulties and challenges. We're talking about this through the lens of new parents and Vicky, thanks for speaking so honestly and openly about your experience. But there's also other people out there that have had a tough time in different situations. Like uh, a a few couples we know were supposed to be getting married and they've canceled and rebooked three or four times, no doubt lost money on this. People's businesses have been crushed. You know, there's, there's lots of people out there that are having challenges for different reasons. And what I really hope this prompts is that people do talk about it with people they trust, people that they love. What Absolutely. I wondered if we could finish on, Vicky, is something really positive that's come out of not quite this situation, but, but you, you've started an Instagram page and it was just before you, you gave birth. But tell us about that and what that experience has been like for you and what that's led to.
2: Yeah I started the Instagram page I think it was October time uh, 2019 so I was a few months pregnant and at the time I just started it purely for shits and giggles you know when you're pregnant the things that happen to your body I could talk about all day and you do I thought I thought why not air it on social media (laughs) for all to hear and um And just, but also just to find out if people, you know, other women were having the same thing because the different, yeah, how it affects different people just fascinates me. So yeah, I started it then I quickly built up quite a small network of like-minded women who were do all around the same time. And we've all just gone through it together. And it's probably been one of the most supportive I don't know what the phrase is supportive branches or supportive. It's been your saving
0: grace really a little bit. It It
2: really, it really has. And, um, yeah, I've just found that we can rant together. We can moan together. And I know that there are people that are worse off. I know people have lost lives. I'm totally, you know, I'm not that ignorant. I know how this is affecting people, but it's also affected us. And in this small community, we've been able to just, Air our problems to each other. And I'm so grateful that I made the account because over the last year, I think the thing that has got me through is communication. You know, and you can communicate with family and friends, but they don't know exactly what you're going through at the time, even if they've had babies themselves already. You know, they haven't had a baby in a pandemic and it's such a unique situation. So to be surrounded by yourself to surround yourself virtually with women that are in exactly the same situation as you has just been amazing really nice.
1: and it, it's just another example of the importance of social connection isn't it we've spoken about that already today yeah and it just shows that in the absence of your normal social connection you've managed to find social connection with other people online and there's obviously some negatives to online contact but in the, it, you, you can't help but be uh, in, inspired by the ability of, of people to come together in a time of, of need like this so I'm really pleased that that's been something positive that's come from it and if any listeners do want to follow you Vicky how, how would they go about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been really lucky I haven't actually experienced anything negative from people everyone's only ever been lovely and positive towards me but yeah you, I just... what's
0: your account called
2: Vicky Jane Goodall. There you
0: go. <laughs> Vicky Jane Goodall at Vicky Jane Goodall. on Instagram. Well,
2: you know, you can tag me on your little post, can't you? Well, that's what he was What's trying to you know? get out of you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was trying to, yeah,
0: segue into. Come it, follow but... me
2: and chat. It was
0: like a, it was like a, it was an opportunity for a plug. Yeah, but it's cringe,
2: it. isn't it? It's just cringe. Come <laughs> follow me. No, but I love it. Like I just, yeah, I love chatting to people about anything and everything. And I think the thing that I've taken from it the most is. Like I said, not only can we moan together and rant together, but also when one of us is having a down day and you see someone post a story or a post and say, do you know what? I'm not okay today. You just lift each other up and you just comment. You're doing a great job. You're a great mum to, you know, little Johnny, for example. You know, the baby. you are everything your baby needs and you constantly just pick each other up. And then when you have a down day and in the past I've posted a story saying, do you know what? I feel crap today and I'm fed up. I've then got messages from people saying you're going to be fine and you're doing amazing. And it's just, yeah, it's been incredible. Incredible.
1: I'm really pleased that there's now it, it, people are okay to say when they're not okay online. And because online quite often it's this, this, this version of it's the best version of themselves. Sometimes they're it's this highly edited, highly selected picture on Instagram or Facebook and and now I I just sense that some people are starting to become a bit more vulnerable and and and, then that's I would really encourage that so that people do realize that everyone else isn't doing perfectly and amazingly we all have a tough time in certain times of our lives so um yeah great great to hear that you and your community are sharing those sorts of stories
2: yep thank you (laughs)
0: it's been a good chat I've enjoyed that It's it's like um
2: I feel like I've got it off my chest. I'm ready for my burger now. Therapy
0: with Charlie. Tell us about your burger.
2: We've ordered burgers, haven't Mm. we?
0: We're not supposed to talk about burgers on the health space. It's
1: okay.
2: Well, I'm not part part of the health space, so I can say that both the burgers are for me. No,
0: I'm joking. It's absolutely the right thing to do. Balanced diet. We we fancied it, so we've gone for it.
2: We were going to have healthy homemade chicken pittas, and I just really fancied a burger.
0: It's because your sister mentioned it, so we we went for it. Yeah, Tell, them, tell me about your
1: feelings
2: my mine... feelings i've told you feelings <laughs> mine... For about mine is <laughs> mine's got bacon in it hash brown and cheese i think
0: yeah so i, I think i went for the same thing um, oh you but you've got Korea. an
2: extra burger oh yeah i went double burger also. double burger
0: Standard. right yeah. well sweet thanks.
2: potato fries
1: thanks very much Except i will hold you yeah i won't hold you back from your burgers anymore um, I'll, I'll let you enjoy your evening but thanks very much for talking vicky it's been, thank you been great having you on the show
2: thank you very much for having me <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's loving it
2: i've always wanted to say that now i just need to get on the graham norton show and then i've really nailed it
0: i think they mainly get like some, yeah i'm not sure why they get like on, tom like, cruise and stuff yeah so. i'm not
2: sure why they brought me on <laughs> but yeah thank you very much for having me Just fist bump
1: thanks for listening if you've enjoyed the show subscribe and give us a five-star rating we'll keep bringing you the gold follow us on instagram at the.healthspace and for any questions or ideas for future content email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com